And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. We said there was going to be some upsets last week. We were right. We hoped that um, the three-headed monster of Edmonton, Pittsburgh, and Toronto wasn't going to be in the lottery. All three of the teams were, uh, but thankfully, none of them won. Instead, Alexis Lafreniere is head to Broadway. We will talk about the draft lottery and talk about the playoff madness in episode 231 of the Lace Month Podcast, which starts right now. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. Uh, Brett, let me ask you, are you liking uh, what the playoffs are bringing so far? Because um, things were crazy the past couple of days. Yeah, I I am actually. Uh, I mean, it's not. I guess it's not surprising because it is NHL playoffs. But like, I think this year it's it's taking a new height to it, or the, a new element to it, where. Like, you don't, you take away all the fans, so it's like an even playing field, and then, or even playing nice, I guess, <laughs> um, and then, Pretty much the entire yeah. team is healthy and ready to go. And not to mention, then you have, like, you add this, like, March Madness style to it, where you have, yeah, like, you, the, you the 12. Yeah, you said 5 versus 12, you Yeah, right. that's usually, right. that's usually the, the, the upset alert, and then you have potential of, like, an 11 beating a 6. Although I don't, I don't think that's how it works in March Madness. But like the possibilities of like, you get like Montreal and you know you never know with Montreal because of Carey Price, um, and you know Chicago has that experience and stuff. But like the the fact that they were able to beat like Pittsburgh and Edmonton, who are like you know who both have superstars on their team. And all that stuff. It's just incredible that they were able to do that. And then, of course, we were all worried about them, like the Penguins and the Oilers getting Lafreniere, which is added on to all this stuff. But, like, luckily we don't have to worry about that. And now we can just laugh at the Oilers and the Penguins yeah, now, now and the Leafs. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like, how did you lose to the, to the, um, the Chicago Blackhawks at Minton. It's just like, you have the two best players in the league. How did you do it? I don't understand this. Like I said last week, the Edmonton Oilers power play was 14% better than Chicago's. Yep. I don't care if the majority of the series was decided by a goal. Edmonton has enough firepower to win 9 out of 10 one-goal games. Yeah, yeah. And they still lost, not even in five games. They lost in four games. Same yeah. with the Penguins to Montreal. Yeah, so yeah. I, for the life of me, I cannot comprehend what just happened. Yeah, and not to mention the Columbus Blue Jackets and uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, that was an 8-9 matchup, so that's like more understandable. But still, it's like you have Tavares, you have Austin Matthews, you have Mitch Marner. They did nothing. <laughs> All, yeah, I mean, he, Matthews had okay. Matthews had a couple of goals, but like yeah. Tavares had like a wide open net. He couldn't even do it. Even I could do that. Like even I could score at that point. Just like what? <laughs> what's going on with Toronto? Jeez. Yeah, I, I probably couldn't. My shot is terrible. But yeah, <laughs> you, there was this mind blowing stat that I saw on Twitter 
where I think it was like, um, actually going to find it here because I actually have it uh, in my notes. Um, just let's see. It's it's about Matthews, Marner, and Tavares, and how much they were on the ice and what their shooting percentage was like. It, it was absolutely crazy. Yeah. Um, I think it was like 271 minutes and 24 seconds, and they shot like just under 2% in the series. Wow. Like, I know Columbus' defense is good. I know their goaltending's been good. Again, that star power, you've got to find a way to shoot better than 2%. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, in terms of, like, this – I love this this format. I mean, other than the round robin, which I'll get into, but, um, yeah, I, I, I do love this format in terms of, like, like it's just it, – it makes, like, the NHL playoffs on its own, just a regular – In the, if this was, you know, just the regular playoffs, it would be pretty crazy because there's always, like, a crazy thing that happens in the first round or second round or something like that. Um, like, the uh, the Blue Jackets sweeping the, <laughs> the historically uh, regular, the best regular season team in the Lightning last year. But, um, but like, this adds another element to it where you're just like, oh, my God, like... Just, I, I don't know how NHL can do it, but, like, I feel like they should, like, learn from this, um, this tournament just by, like, maybe adding more teams. Like, <laughs> I don't know how they would do it, but it would be probably the stupidest thing, but... Well, um. <laughs> I, I heard a suggestion on, on the, the, the brothers station at the building I work for, and they were mentioning, like, with the 7, 8, 9, and 10 seeds and, like, some sort of, like, best of three, like, wildcard playoff uh, and just having Duke it out for, like, two cool. wildcard spots. Which, yeah. which isn't a bad idea. No, like, no, no, no. Yeah, I'm not... I, I don't know if I like the the whole idea of the fact that, like, the 12 plays the 5, even though it did give us, like, much mm. to laugh at now. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, anyways... Uh, so we have a lot to cover, um, the Ranger, and we'll talk about all those other things, uh, pretty soon anyways. Um, the Rangers get Alexis Lafreniere, um, which, uh, so not only does this mean that the Maple Leafs, the Penguins, and the Oilers don't get Lafreniere, um, this, I, I was talking about this ever since we found out that the like whoever loses could get it. But I was saying that the Rangers would be the perfect spot for him just from a market standpoint. Um, if you want Ameri like the U.S. to like take hockey into its hold, you need the Rangers to be one of the best teams in the league. And, the, and this, is, this is a good way of doing it. Because Lafreniere, I know he's been hyped up a lot. Um, I feel like he's going to be like, um, like a, like he, he's drawing the like Crosby comparison just because of the, like the fact that they were both on Ramuski and all that stuff. But even still, like, I think there was like a statistic that Lafreniere was the only, there's only been two players who had CHL players back to back and that was Crosby and Lafreniere. Yeah. So the, the yeah, staff was, like um, only twice in in history has a player won CHL MVP in back-to-back -back seasons. Yep. Sidney Crosby did it first, 
Alexis Lafreniere did it second, and that's the end of the list. Yep. So I'm surprised that McDavid wasn't on that list either, but I guess. I guess probably, not. If you give him another year, he probably joins them. But, like, didn't he. Like, wasn't he also given exceptional status just like... He was. Okay. And he had a decent rookie season, but Erie wasn't that good, and they made it to the conference finals, I think, uh, in his second year. Or, no, it was either his second or his third year. Okay. Because uh, I remember he didn't win an OHL title. They The Erie Otters won it the year after he left. I see. Um, but McDavid probably won it in year three. Uh, and, and when it was supposed to be year four of his OHL... Um, playing career um edmonton not surprisingly realized ah he doesn't need a fourth year we're bringing him up oh i see okay so yeah he didn't play his fourth if he played his fourth year he probably would have joined of course yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. i see um although i i guess i'm just surprised that he didn't get the year before he won it (laughs) but whatever anyways um but yeah no this this like the rangers already had like one of the best prospect pools in the league. Um, not to mention they have Adam Fox um, and Tony D'Angelo and uh, Shesterkin, who are all pretty young, still on the on the club. Uh, Kako as well as uh, Heedle, and who knows what's going to happen with Leas Anderson too. So, um, and then you have Keandre Miller, uh, Niles Lundquist in the system. There's a couple of other guys that I'm blanking on probably. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, they're going to be pretty good when you add Alexis Lafreniere. Oh, Kratzoffs is another one. Um, so yeah, they're going to be pretty good. Um, so yeah, uh, so my question here is, do you, do you think the, the Rangers will win the cup in the next three years? This is assuming that they draft Alexis Lafreniere, which I would imagine they will. Um, imagine if they just go, like, off the board. That would be kind of funny. Um, uh, so, do you think this team will win the the Cup in next three years? Uh, I say three years because this is when I would have presumed that Lafreniere would sign an entry-level contract, and, um, and that takes three years. So, um, do you think they will win uh, when Lafreniere is in, uh, in three years? really tough to say because a couple of years ago this is a team that wrote a letter to their fans saying we're rebuilding basically yeah and it's tough to go from that to uh yeah we're ready to win the cup now in a couple of years but honestly this new york rangers rebuild couldn't have gotten any better yeah i mean you you have uh guys like vitaly krasov igor shizurkin who if he can somehow play better than he did this year look out nhl yeah um you already have Panarin, who's an MVP candidate this year. Chris Kreider, who could somehow play on the third line and make like six or seven million per year. Mika Zibanejad, who's a goal scoring machine this year. Uh, Philip Heedle, uh, Capo Kako, who they got second overall last year. Niles Lundquist. Uh, to the point where, like, this whole hubbub about Leah Sanderson, whether or not he's going to play for the Rangers, I don't think they really need Leah Sanderson to kind of like make the team. Like, they, they have a pretty good team on paper already, and their depth at left wing is going to be scary, scary good. And you just wait for guys like Kako and Keitel and Krasov and Brett Howden to continue yep. taking steps forward every single year. You All of a sudden, you've got yourselves a good team. Um, it's a bit of a stretch to say in three years they are going to be ready to win the Stanley Cup. 
because um, I, I, I will say this, the, the Rangers' future looks bright, but they're a very young team overall. You look at their back end, yeah, there's Jacob Truba and D'Angelo and Foss, like you mentioned, but there's Brendan Smith, who's mm-hmm. sometimes playing on the fourth line of the forward. There's Mark Stoll on an expiring contract. Um, in terms of shutdown defense, uh, Brian McDonough is no longer there. Dan Girardi is no longer there. Until they get the shutdown defense part fixed, like um, Ke'Andre Miller uh, developing into one of those NHL defenders, um, this is a team that I don't think has the pieces to win a Stanley Cup. So it's going to take a couple more years of development, at least three years of development, and becoming a better shutdown defensive group. Because uh, in in the past couple of years, one thing that has really plagued the Rangers is turnovers. Yep. If this is in 2016-17, the last year they made the playoff up until this year, they had 818 giveaways. That was the fifth most in the league. They neared 1,000 giveaways a season later in 2017-18 when they missed the playoffs. They had 991 giveaways, uh, second most in the league. Not a category you want to be close to leading in. Uh, the next year, just under 991, they had 986. Mm-hmm. That was fourth most in the N- in the NHL. And then this year, in 70 games, they had 827 recorded giveaways, second most in the league. I think the Islanders are the only team that had more. Until they clean that up, um, similar to their shutdown defense, that's going to stop them from becoming a legit contender maybe they'll be contending for playoff spots every year but in terms of being a stanley cup threat they're not at that position until they clean up that part of their game um the good news is when you have players like artemi panarin when you have guys alexis lafreniere and you also have the gorgeous amenities that only new york can offer that other markets simply can't touch yeah it's not going to be hard to attract free agents. That sure, is for sure. certain. If you have the cap space, there are going to be a lot of free agents that say, I want to play for the Rangers. I want to right. play on the same team as Lafreniere, the same same team as Panarin. That would be so much fun. Yep. And on top of that, people forget that in the Brady Shade trade, they got a first-round pick from the Carolina Hurricanes, True. which won't be any higher than 16th overall, but – Maybe they could use that to get like a shutdown defenseman, like maybe Jake Sanderson, for example. Um, Good point. It depends on where Sanderson falls in the draft, because I hear his draft stock has been rising a little bit. But if he's still hanging around when the Rangers are picking um, in the middle stages of round one, uh, might not be a bad idea to go pick him up. And even then, if you don't get Jake Sanderson, who could be a shutdown defenseman in the making, you can get other guys in the NHL that can maybe uh, yeah. fill the void. But overall, in about five years, I think you're going to see this team as a bigger contender. I don't think it's three years, um, but they're well on their way. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's funny because, like, the, you mentioned, well, first off, I'm surprised you didn't even mention Mika Zibinijad. Um I did, uh, I think. But not, I didn't go in depth. Yeah. There are plenty of opportunities I'll talk about today. But, before. I mean, I'll talk about him now. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, uh, he had 41 goals in 57 points uh, in 57 games. Um, and that's, uh, and compared to, I'm looking here at the goals leader from uh, the regular season. Uh, there were only five players who had 
uh, 40 or more goals. Um, all of them had it in 68 or more goal games played. Mika Zibinich had got that in 57, so that's just incredible. Um, which which kind of adds to my point now that we're yeah. talking about this. Uh, if you look at his contract, it looks like a bargain. The problem is that contract's running up. Yeah. The good news is with the Rangers, Brendan Smith's contract's going to be coming off the books in 12 to 24 months. Same with yeah. Mark Stahl, same with Henrik Lundqvist. So that's going to free up some cap space for, sure. for them. Some of that cap space is going to go to Zibanejad because if he continues to produce at this rate, he's going to get one heck of a pay raise compared okay. to his deal. Well, and, and that's the right. other thing the Rangers are going to have to keep in mind. Yeah, it's going to be nice to add you know, a piece or two to help you become a contender you're also gonna have to find a way to pay those guys and in a three years uh, yep. you're probably gonna have to pay Lafreniere too for sure with depending on how that goes could be I don't know if it's our Timmy Panarin money but I would think at least six or seven million well okay well first off <laughs> Lafreniere hasn't even played a game yet uh <laughs> Secondly, uh, so my point was is that you didn't even mention the fact that, like, like I think the whole reason why I was I even picked the Rangers to even win the series against the Hurricanes last year, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, was the fact that Shesterkin was unbelievable. They almost made the playoffs in a normal year. Um, yeah. Shesterkin was incredible uh, towards the last stretch. Um, so he's only going to get better. Um, and then you have Panarin and you have Zabinijad, who are both um, phenomenal, too. So then, um, and like Panarin might win the hard trophy. I mean, I think what we found out through that Rangers-Carolina uh, series, though, is that we found out that their defense isn't that great. Uh, and... Also, the fact that your depth, their depth of like, yeah, they have Panarin, yeah, they have Sabinajad, um, but like when those guys aren't performing, although I guess Panarin had a couple of goals and Sabinajad did too, so um, it's not entirely on them, but um, like just the fact that like their defense wasn't up to par, um, so that just showed like a glaring thing to them. Um, kind of reminds me a bit like Toronto now, where. Um, yeah, they have a ton of forwards that are incredible uh, at an elite status, but um, if you don't have defense, you're not going to go far in the playoffs. So, so that is a big thing that they need to address. But at the same time, it's like Shesterkin is better than Freddie Anderson if we're if we're staying with that comparison. So, um, I think there is like like the future has never been more bright for the Rangers, and meanwhile, like, the Buffalo Sabres are, like, like, oh, we're going through another rebuild, okay, <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I think the, the Rangers are, can now start to think about competing full term, um, and all that stuff, because they have a bunch of the pieces, um, it's just now the prospects have to pan out, Lafreniere, Kraftsoff, Kako, Kittle, um, even Leah Sanderson, all those all those five guys I mentioned, they all have to perform to the way that they expect him. And if they do, then even, you know, great. Um, Ke'Andre Miller is another one. Um, Shesterkin, of course, has already been doing that, but, you know, he has to be consistent. Um, so, like, if you get those seven guys, I just listed seven guys, like, 
yeah, this this could be a dynasty even. Um, so in terms of three years, I think they will eventually like make it to the promised land of a cup. The reason why I say three years is because I know that's like the ELC and then all the cap stuff gets takes a hold. So I think they could do it, but it would be. Um, but of course, it's like hard to really predict from three three years from now. Um, I I don't think they'll win next year. They might not win in two years, but maybe the third year is when they start to be like, okay, they're in a conference final, or you know, they're um, <laughs> even if they're, they're they might be in a Stanley Cup final. Um, but then after that, and, and yeah. this also brings up another interesting point as to why I'm not sure they're going to get it done in three years. Um, and I, while I'm talking about that, I must also add how this benefits the NHL. Um, the Metro division has a lot of tough rivalries. Yeah. Uh, good point. Crosby and Malkin representing Pittsburgh. Philly's got a lot of talent to work with. Claude Drew, uh, Jacob Borchuk, Travis Konechny, who's emerging Carter Hart, of course. Carter Hart. Carter Hart. In New Jersey, Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes. Um, prob- this, this could shape up to be the best Rangers Devils hockey we've seen since the 90s. Yep. Um, and then in Carolina, Aho and Sveshnikov have really emerged this year. And Ovechkin, in Washington, Ovechkin and Ovechkin are still yeah. dangerous, too. Right. So that's five teams right there. Yeah. Or, uh, sorry, that's four or five teams right there that could stand in the Rangers' way. True. Because you have to get through two rounds of Metro Division hockey. Do the Rangers have what it takes to get through some of those powerhouses? That's still to be determined. Not saying they can't do it, but it's not yeah. going to be easy. Yeah, I guess that, that is a good point. They are in probably the toughest division when it comes to, like, star power there. But, um, I don't know. I think, like, they could, they could do it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it would be it would be interesting for sure. Yeah. Like, we all thought, oh, with Tavares, yeah. Matthews, Marner, Nylander, there's no way the Leafs can't wake up in, like, three years. Yeah. And it, then we realized, yeah, it's going to probably take a bit longer than we thought. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, speaking of which, uh, so I don't know if we want to talk so long about this because we still have the, the playoff preview to go. But um, as for the other seven teams who all got eliminated, uh, do you think any team will have a massive overhaul? Um, the Panthers have officially fired Dale Talon, so they'll probably do a massive overhaul, I would imagine. But... Um, any other team? Just <laughs> well. Uh, first off, um, I I think I think um, the Panthers need a bit better management of mm-hmm. drafting and developing prospects, and maybe I don't know, not not just giving away guys like Riley Smith and Jonathan Marchessault so for nothing to an expansion team. Yeah. Um, well, they got a fourth round pick for. Uh, for Riley Smith, but yeah. Oh yeah, what that fourth round pick? Uh, uh, I'll, I'll look that up. <laughs> um, yeah, it, I think Dale Town had the best intentions of turning this Florida uh, Panthers team into a contender. It just didn't work out, and you know what? On paper, 
Um, he had me convinced that they were going to contend for a Stanley Cup this year, or at the very least contend for a playoff spot, and they didn't really do either because Sergei Bobrovsky didn't play like Sergei Bobrovsky, um, the dominant Sergei Bobrovsky that can win Vezina trophies by himself. Um, like, yeah, their top six is good. Um, they have a lot to... They have a lot of uh, young pieces as well uh, to look forward to. So I don't think it's going to be a massive overhaul in Florida. I think uh, there will be a couple of pieces moving out. I, whether or not they got Lafreniere, I think Mike Hoffman's gone simply because yeah. they need to sign Dadnoff. I don't think they have enough money to keep Hoffman. And um, they, they have a couple of young wingers coming up the system that could probably slot sure. in and fill Hoffman's shoes. So that's probably why Hoffman's not coming back. Um, but in terms of like drastic changes, I don't see any in Florida. Um, I don't think Edmonton's going to see too many drastic changes. Um, I think the tandem and gold needs to be better. Um, and there are some depth pieces that probably won't be back. They'll need to figure those things out in free agency. But watching Connor McDavid on the bench, he's going to learn from this. Yeah. Dry Siles going to learn from this. They're all going to learn from this. You look at the 1982 Oilers that blew a gorgeous opportunity to go deep in the playoffs, lost to the Kings in like the first or second round. They had that 5 nothing lead, and I think it was game two or three. Or, yeah, I think it was game three. And they blew it. Kings storm back, tied at five, forced overtime, win six five. That was with Rain Gretzky yeah. and Mark Messi on that team. The greatest player in NHL history was on the other side of that massive LA Kings comeback. Yep. And then the year after, the Oilers are in the finals against the Islanders. They lose that, and then they start a dynasty. In nineteen ninety four, the Red Wings with the Eisman with Fedorov, they lose to the Sharks in the first round. Nineteen ninety five, they make the finals. By 97 and 98, they're a wagon, and they're winning Stanley Cups. Yep. I'm not going to say Edmonton's going to win the Stanley Cup next year. I think if they play their cards right, they could be in the finals, though. Yeah, I, I really do believe they can come back from this, and it's and it's not uh, going to be a total disaster. Pittsburgh, I don't think the worst is coming like within the next year or so. Um, but I think we are starting to see the beginning of the end. Uh, they had enough firepower to beat Montreal. Jason Zucker had good chemistry with Crosby. Uh, Jake Gensel had good chemistry with Crosby. I don't see why they couldn't uh, beat Carey Price and the Habs. I know it's Carey Price, and the Montreal Canadiens are a good team. Yep. And they, they took advantage of whatever daylight they had. Uh, Pittsburgh should have won that series still. And yep. I think we're starting to see what the salary cap implications and age combined are starting to do to this team and i think it's starting to wither away yeah um, and in a couple of years we're going to see it uh winnipeg i think in a couple of years if you give them some good prospects which they're probably going to get this year um a shutdown defenseman preferably they got some money to spend in free agency in a couple of years uh, with the strides they've been making, if they continue to play like that, um, they're going to be Stanley Cup contenders for sure. Right. If, maybe even as soon as next year. Who knows? Um, Toronto. Toronto's got to do something. Yep. And this is all on Kyle Dubas. They, they don't even have a first-round pick that's gone to Carolina because they had to shed salary, mm -hmm. and they ended up doing it by 
giving Carolina Patrick Marlowe's contract and adding him first to, to make him take that deal, basically. Um, they haven't won a playoff series to, since 2004. Yeah. They haven't won the Cup since 1967, as we all know. They haven't made it to the Eastern Conference Finals since 2002. The Ottawa Senators, their arch rivals, everyone that likes to point and laugh at them, they've been to three conference finals since 2002 they were there in 2003 they were there in 2007 they were there in 2017 and once again toronto doesn't go as far as they probably should have and it's not the bruins beating them it's the columbus freaking blue jackets um they had enough firepower to take down in columbus they had their chances they had that epic comeback in game four and they still missed out uh, the good news for them is they have a bunch of young defenders. They have Lilligren, Sandine, Letzinen, who they signed out of Finland. He had a great season overseas, um, to name a few. And Nick Robertson, highlighting a group of young forwards, a couple yep. of young goalies with potential. Um, but you have Freddie Anderson and Morgan Riley on expiring co- contracts uh, next year. Um, I think they're worth keeping around, but can they afford to keep them? It's going to require not more it's going to require a lot more than just saying goodbye to Cody Cece and Tyson Berry yep. and maybe Jason Spezza um they need shutdown defense Jake Muzzin can't do it all by himself and I think you'll see guys like William Nylander and Kasperi Kapanen on the trading block yep. it would not surprise me if either of them or both got moved in the offseason yeah I could see that um so I think we have to get moving pretty soon uh because we're in 30 minutes in uh so I'll, I'll make this quick, but first off, I wanted to mention, because I did look this up, uh, remember that when uh, Mike Hoffman was on the Sharks for like a second? Um, yeah. So the Panthers traded their fourth that they got from Riley Smith to uh, for Mike Hoffman from the Sharks. So the Sharks got that, but then the Sharks traded that pick to the Montreal Canadiens, and then the Montreal Canadiens selected Jack Gorniak. Um, in the fourth round, um, okay. whoever he is, in case you're c- curious there. Um, yeah, by the way, uh, the yeah. Panthers gave up a second round pick to get I Mike Hoffman, just saying. Yeah, that's a good point. The Sens got, what, like a seventh or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah, something. it was crazy, yeah. That's a good point. Um, I'm also I'm also wondering, before we move on, uh, oh. National Predators forgot to mention them. Um, oh, okay. Well, wait, wait, I, can I, I haven't even problem, talked about mine. I think so. they're probably... Okay. going to do something. I think someone like Matias Eckholm or Kyle Turris could be traded okay. as well. Um, talking about contenders trying to do something, I think that could be possible. Okay. Well, I haven't even talked about my <laughs> what I think. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, first off, I think the, the Winnipeg Jets are going to get either Petrangelo or Krug. They have to. Um, I mean, I think it was unfortunate because, I mean, obviously they didn't expect Shifley and Line to be injured in the first game. Yeah. I, I think they would have uh, they probably would have made it a series if it if it wasn't for that um, but yeah so I think they're I, I think they're I'm, I'm I'm guessing and this is my prediction that Krug's gonna be on the Jets um, but they I mean they might go for Petrangelo who knows um, yeah and then um, I'll make this quickly so I can't talk about every team Um yeah. You, you already mentioned, like, I think the Oilers are going to be okay. The Penguins have an interesting situation because they got the the pick 
they can either trade um, their first round picked to Minnesota this year or next year, so they have a choice. I think they're pro- so I think it's the fifteenth pick this year. Um, I would probably take it. I think. Um, yeah. Of course, you always have that scenario like the Sharks had this year or the Senators had last year um, where, you know, like all of a sudden the Penguins stink next year, then you're screwed. But I think at the same time, I I don't know, I think, um, I I feel like the Penguins aren't going to be that bad, that they'll at least won't be in the top 10 next year, I don't think. it's not like it's not like the sharks. It's not like the penguins have Martin Jones, you know. So, um, or or uh, or or have a crazy owner who wants to trade every single player just because there's a low attendance rate. So so yeah, I I think the penguins don't have the risk of being the Ottawa Senators and the Sharks, but I guess of course it could happen. Um, See, there, there's to also add to your opinion when um, when Jim Rutherford made that Jason Zucker trade, yep. he mentioned about keeping the window to win open for as long as he possibly can. When are you going to get a pick at this stage of the first round if you're constantly doing good? So let's mm-hmm. say you rebound next year. That 15th overall pick could could help you continue to be good. For the next couple of years, maybe not just like one or two, and then like the yeah. regression really starts to hit you. So right. if that fifteenth overall pick keeps you in contention for another couple of years, I say take it. Yeah. You're probably not going to get a pick of of this caliber um, for for quite some time for until sure. you're really losing. Yep. So and I would I would I would take this pick, keep the window to win open as long as you can. There's a lot yeah. of depth in the first round as we've been talking about. Fifteenth overall could be something pretty special. Like Eric Carlson was fifteenth overall yeah. for crying out loud. Yeah, or just the fact that yeah. No, that's a good point. And it's a deep draft anyway, so I think mm-hmm. you you'd be yeah. better served to just take that. Um, and then for the Toronto Maple Leafs, I think you're right that I think Kasperi Kapanen's probably gone and Andreas Janssen. But I feel like they have to do even more than that. Um, yeah. <laughs> not just get rid of, like, uh, like a couple of death pieces. Like, I feel like they have to trade even more. Um, like, I'm not really sure exactly how, but maybe, I think you maybe even trade Frederick Anderson um, I know he's been good and he's been like, it's not entirely his fault, but I think you just have to Jack Campbell played well in Toronto as well. So I think he could be ready for a, a bigger, a bigger starting load on there. Uh, the other option, um, I, I never really listened to Brian Burke, but he had, kind of had a point, um, where he was saying that William Nylander needs to go, um, or he, like, he shouldn't be considered as a top four player like Marner, Matthews, and Tavares, which I can kind of agree with. And the fact that Nylander is making 6.9, that's a lot of money for the, for the Toronto Maple Leafs that you can spend elsewhere. So yeah. I think I I would pro like that would be a big move. Of course, he's a great player, and they could regret it if, if the trade's bad. But... Um, but I think I think that's the guy that you have to trade. Um, Would the Frederick Anderson trade 
you look at the guys behind yeah. him, like Joseph Wall, Ian Scott, the two young goalies that I mentioned. You have Jack Campbell as your backup. Ian Scott, yeah. The guy coming back the other way better stop the puck better than Frederick Anderson can because uh, even think? if Frederick Anderson is inconsistent, I yeah. still would call him a top 10 goalie in this league when he's on his mm-hmm. game. Yeah. And for a team that's trying to contend, especially in the Atlantic division where you have Tampa and Boston to deal with and maybe Florida, if, um, if you know, if they wake up a little bit, um, I think it's a gamble they're going to lose yep. if they if they get someone just like even a smidgen lower on the depth chart than Frederick Anderson. So yeah. I'd really be careful with that. Um, and in 2021, the, there's going to be a lot of free agent goalies like Jordan Bennington, sure. Tuka Rask, um, and Frederick Anderson as well. So right, I think I think maybe they roll the dice with Anderson for one more year and see what happens. But I've like you look at his numbers in Anaheim. Look at the defense he played in front of. Mm-hmm. Was it really how better was how much better was it than the Toronto Maple Leafs and the defense they have right now? Right. Like Frederick Anderson can only do so much with that defense. Oh yeah. I'm sure that defense tries their darnest to keep the puck out of the net, but it just isn't working. And okay, they they need better solutions there. They also need team players like Columbus. And not saying that. Uh, Toronto doesn't have enough team players. Like, you look at Mitch Marner, there were, like, two occasions this series, empty net, yep. Columbus shoots it, and he stops it, and he keeps the Leafs in the game. True. And he, he's been getting better uh, defensively, which is great. And Austin Matthews, Sheldon Keefe, was talking about how much better he was defensively against Columbus. That's great. You want to see your stars of the future being good defensive players. That's awesome. But... You look at the roster Columbus assembled, you look at how many guys got like 50 or 60 points, there weren't too many this year, and they beat Toronto because their team game was better. And the Leafs team game needs to improve before they can take that next step. They figured, well, it's Boston, so, you know, if we go against Columbus, it's going to be different. No, it wasn't different. They lost. So I think this lost to Columbus, however you want to call it, I think it really makes them realize what they need to do to take that next step. Yeah. Because until they address those flaws, they're not going to get out of the first round. Yeah. Uh, so I, I guess I see here that Frederick Anderson has a no trade clause, so I guess he won't be traded anyways. But the reason why I suggested that anyways was the fact that he has one more year left anyways and yep. you can you can deal with that and um, and I think Jack Campbell has been good in his stead so that's why I suggest that and like I know it's not his fault as you just mentioned but I like you have to fix the defense somehow you can't like no one's gonna take like um, like <laughs> John Tavares or, or Austin Matthews off their hands or Mitch Marner, because they're making way too much, and that's the problem. So, um, and that's why I mentioned Neil and right. Kapanen. And right, 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 right. Of course, Anderson. of course. But yeah, I think I think uh, Frederick Anderson could be traded. I could see that happening, because then, um, because then you can like afford to get a defenseman. But then, I I think then you trust uh, Jack Campbell for for the next two years, and I I, I like that chances. 
better than Frederick Anderson. Uh, that's, okay. that, that's a bit debatable, though. I think Jack Campbell is a very good backup. I think he's a very good backup. I don't know if you thrust him into a starter's role, he can take the ball and run with it. Um, he was supposed to be their goalie of the future in Dallas. It didn't work out. I know, but um, to, like, to roll, that doesn't to roll mean anything. With him and trade Anderson, I, I, I don't know. Like, with by trading, like, Kapanen and Nylander, you know you have enough offensive talents to make mm. up for whatever offense they don't provide, and you have guys like Nick Robertson coming up the depth chart. Who do you have in goal that's ready to take the next step yep. and be a solid NHL netminder? It, it would be too tough of a transition to say goodbye to Freddie Anderson and just roll the dice with somebody. I well unless, unless that somebody is better than Anderson. So in twenty six games, I okay. I guess I see your point. In twenty six games this year, for Jack Campbell had was eleven, twelve, and three. Although twenty of those were in the L A. Um, yeah. He had a nine oh four save percentage, a GAA of two point eight. That's not bad. I, I That's respectable. <laughs> Yeah, and in Toronto, he had a 2.63 GAA and a 9.15. Of course, that's in six games. So, I don't know. I, I think I would roll the dice on Jack Campbell, but I guess I'm, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm obviously not a GM. So, anyways, we have to get going, though. We have to. I will say Jack Campbell last point. needs to play a big role on this team because yeah. I think part of the problem with Frederick Anderson, he plays too much. Yep, that's and fair. And they haven't really had a guy uh, to help him out in that department. If Campbell can get in there in like 30 to 40 games yep. uh, a season and play solid hockey behind Frederick Anderson, I think that would do wonders for the Maple Leafs. Yep, that's a good point. All right. Uh, we talked for 40 minutes. <laughs> we haven't even talked about the most exciting part about hockey right now. Yeah. The playoffs. Uh, so, uh, let's start off with uh, the Philadelphia Flyers, who are the hottest team in the league. Um, or, I guess, technically the hottest team in the league. Um, <laughs> if you count the Red Robins, as hot. Uh, to first. Yeah, if you count with like the Bruins and the Capitals, who aren't even trying. Um, and, uh, the Montreal Canadiens who just, who just beat the, upset the Penguins. Um, I think, like, we, I had mentioned this before, like, I, I had expected, like, okay, even though I picked the Penguins in three, I was thinking, like, in the back of my mind, it's like, Price could totally, like, take over and win this series. Um, and I think, like, just as you were just talking about with Freddie Anderson, um, just that there is something to the fact that the Canadians do run Carey Price to the ground, but this playoff format, um, kind of like, like it makes a ton of sense that Carey Price would be, uh, back to his old self again, um, now because he has five, like he had five months to rest, um, and he also, like, in the playoffs, you don't need to be, um, you know, you don't play every other game, so you don't need to rely on a backup anymore. And so he can play every game and still be at a top level to do the way that Carey Price is. Um, and then all you need from the Canadian side and what ended up happening is just a couple pucks go the other way for, for the Canadians. And... Um, 
and that's all that, that was needed, especially in a three-game series like that, where, where you only need to win three games, I should say. And so that's that's a big reason why that. But um, I look forward to the Carey Price-Carter Hart um, rivalry. I, I feel like I expect all these games, or all these games in this series to be low scoring and um to so I'm gonna say that um yeah but I still think the Flyers are are going to win but it's not gonna be as um it's it's not gonna be like an easy out like we're all expecting it to be um so I think like Carey Price will probably steal a couple of games still but I'm going to go with Flyers and Six. Flyers and Six, eh? Okay, interesting. Um, yeah, uh, I, I think we both agreed. Uh, watch out for Philly because they're flying. And, yeah. Um, yeah, they flew from fourth all the way to first, as I mentioned. Only gave up three goals against, one against Boston, one against Washington, one against Tampa. All three teams very, very good in the regular season. A lot of firepower, tough to contain. And to give up one goal in every single game, that's pretty impressive. Uh, what also really impressed me during those round-robin performances was offensive depth in the Flyers system. Period one against Tampa, for example. Uh, at one point in the mid-stages of the frame, the shot advantage was 12-4 for the Flyers. I think it ended up being 20-6 to after 20 minutes. And their shot total um, kind of went down after that. But that first period, that was huge. They had built a 2-0 lead. And both goals were scored by Nico Bacubel, a yeah. bottom six forward on them. Uh, and he, the first goal was a tip-in. The second goal was very nice. Uh, through 40 minutes, Tampa didn't even have 15 shots in, in the game through 40 minutes. They had 13. Um, in the Boston game, Philly's fourth line was incredible, had plenty of rave reviews after the game. And then, of course, you have Carter Hart playing awesome uh, in in between the pipes there. Um, Alain Vigneault, the coach of the Flyers, um, pointed out to his performance against Tampa in particular, and um, he cited two breakaway saves early in the game, especially the one where the Flyers are on the power play, they turn it over, Tampa goes the other way. Two mm -hmm. massive saves can change the course of the game, and Carter Hart did change the course of the game with those two big saves. Uh, 966 save percentage for Carter Hart in his two round robin games played. Uh, one goal against Boston, one goal against Tampa, and then he gets to face the goalie he idolized as a kid in round one in Kerry yep. Price. And uh, he's really looking forward to that, that matchup. Um, like you said, Brett, the problem is even if you throw a lot of pucks towards Kerry Price, he can still find ways to beat you and turn the tide yeah. against you. Uh, the Penguins found out that out the hard way. Um, right. In that four-game qualifying series, which the Habs won, as we all know, in four games, Carey Price stopped 92 of 96 shots at 5-on-5. Five five. That's a 9.58 save percentage, 5-on-5, five five, uh, an average of 24 5-on-5 five five shots faced on average per game. In the series, he stopped 126 of 133 shots, jaw-dropping 9.47 save percentage, and uh, he also posted a 5.7 goal saved above, uh, above expected via Evolving Wild, which is very, very good for a goaltender. Uh, in the series overall, when you face 33.25 shots per start, um, typically the other team wins. Um, but the Habs took three of four from Pittsburgh. 
don't sleep on him. He's going to make you pay. Um, and his team, don't sleep on his team either. Like yeah. Jeff Petrie, two game winners in yeah. the series. Arturi Lekkanen got the winner in the decisive game four. Everyone was chipping in even when the chips were down. Uh, the Canadians just just uh, knuckled down, got to work. That 3-1 to one Pittsburgh lead, I think it was in game three, um, where it looked like Pittsburgh had all the control. The Canadians bowed their way back, won it 4-3. to three. That was a big win for them. Um, I think ultimately Philly's depth is going to be too much against Montreal. Um, I do agree with you, Brett. Carey Price is going to steal a, a game or two. I'm going to say Flyers in six as well. Okay. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's weird. I don't know, like, how much we should take from the, the past round, from either the round robin or the qualifiers, because for the round robin, I feel like these teams weren't trying. I'll get to this when I talk about the Bruins, but, um, <laughs> but like, the Flyers do look like they were the hottest team before this, the, the season ended, um, like, people just forget that, um. And so I think they're just, they, they weren't acting like the round robins were an exhibition match like the Bruins were. I'm going to be berating the Bruins for the rest of the time, by the way. Um, so, um, so yeah, it's tough. T- and then the Canadians were, like, they have some momentum at least because they've been fighting for their lives this entire time. So, yeah, at the same time, it's just, like, it's hard to really grasp, okay, what where each team is at like are they like on one side you have the round robins which weren't as serious and then you have the other ones where it's like maybe it's a good thing that they weren't as serious you know <laughs> like they're, they're it's like the old like they're the these teams were fighting for their lives literally because anything can happen in a best of five series um so i don't know um yeah and then uh, all right, let's get to the next matchup. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning play the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, this is familiar because if you remember, this is the second rematch. Um, I think there's only two rematches, um, in this whole thing here. Um, and so this was one of them. And this, the last time this, these two met in the playoffs, they, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning got swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, however, I think both Tampa and Carolina, I mean, Carolina, Columbus are different teams, uh, not just, like, in terms of, you know, um, <laughs> philosophy and psychology, but, like, in terms of, uh, um, players, because the Columbus Blue Jackets don't have Bobrovsky, they don't have Panarin, they don't have, uh, what's-his-face, uh, Duchesne. So, uh, however, they were able to beat the star-loaded Toronto Maple Leafs and all that stuff. So, yeah, they um, they were going, um, and now they're facing another star-loaded team. I don't think they'll have Steven Stamkos again. I think he's still injured. Um yeah, John Cooper wants yeah. the media to stop asking um, politely. He told him <laughs> to stop asking. He said, I know you guys are trying to do your job. Uh, there's not much news I have on Stamkos. You'll be the first to know when I do have news. Uh, also, Victor Hedman got hurt against okay, yeah, Philly. Uh, so his status is questionable at the yeah. moment, too. Uh, 
so that's two big players potentially not playing uh, to open up the series. Which um, helps Columbus. Yeah, uh, for but sure. But it should also be mentioned that Merce Lincolns is also hurt for the Jackets. So. Yeah, for sure. I... And the thing that's... Right, right, Merce Lincoln is that, that should... Well, like Corpus Allo was pretty good for for them, even still. Yeah, like, he shut yeah. out the Leafs twice. Um, I will say that uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois um, kind of showed how good he can be um, mm-hmm. this year. He had a hat-trick um, and, and all that stuff. Cam Atkinson uh, came, like had a bounce back this playoff, too. He had five points. I'm just seeing here that he led the team in points. Um, the other one that I, I wanted to note uh, was um, Alexander Tessier. Uh, who had uh, two assists. I think they were both in game one or something like that, maybe game two, but he looked pretty good too. So um, it's not like they, like the Blue Jackets do have a pretty good team. It's just because of what happened last year um, where they lost Panarin and they lost Bobrovsky and that was a big part of their identity, you know, we, we don't know these guys, um, but that's, like, a good thing in a way, too, because it's like, so they still have Seth Jones, they still have Zach Wierenski, they still have Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, who are all good players. So I think it's going to be a tough out for Tampa, uh, for, for Columbus, but I think Tampa still has it. Um, the only thing that gives me pause is, like, the status of Stamkos and... Victor Hedman, but even still, you have Kucherov, you have Braden Point, um, Blake Coleman, Vasilevsky, um, and all that stuff. So I think I I'm going to say Lightning in seven. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like you mentioned with Columbus, went the distance with Toronto, battled injuries all year. Um, everything that happened in game four yet they're still here so the main question can they do it again yeah by can they do it again can they beat tampa bay not can they sweep tampa bay there's no way that's going to happen two years in a row right um well it could seems... not anything's possible now <laughs> yeah well I, I i'm not i'm gonna flat out say it now there's not gonna be a sweep Tampa's okay. not gonna sweep columbus columbus isn't gonna now sweep i tampa. want there to be a sweep <laughs> forget it Forget about that narrative. Forget about the narrative. Although no, I want there to be a sweep, but yeah, it'd be hilarious if it happened again. Yeah. yeah. Um, but again, like nothing seems to face the Columbus Blue Jackets, does it? Like game four against the Leafs is a prime example. Up three nothing with a little under four minutes left in regulation. Leafs pull their goalie with just under four minutes left. They score. Shutouts busted. Oh whatever. Columbus is still on top by two goals. Leafs pull their goalie again, less than a minute later. They score again, it's 3-2. Leafs pull their goalie in the final minute, 20-ish seconds left. Zach Hyman ties the game. They go to overtime, Columbus takes a penalty, Leafs go on the power play, game over, Leafs win. Like, for a lot of teams, that could be the end of the series. And heading into game five... They didn't let the moment get to them. They stuck to their game plan. Corpus Allo comes off the bench, played awesome against the Leafs again. Uh, the team plays their game, shuts up Toronto, books their ticket to the playoffs. Hard to find a team in this round of 16 with as much character and as much resolve as the Columbus Blue Jackets. So a lot of people, not just in Columbus, but around the league, 
I don't blame them if they ask the question, why not Columbus? Why right. not these guys? Why can't it be these guys? Um, the problem with the Blue Jackets is Tampa hasn't forgotten about last year. They came out here with a lot to prove. They wanted to prove the 2019 sweep in round one was a fluke. And now they have a chance to get even with the very same team that knocked them out of round one last year in round one this year. I don't care if they don't have Stankos. I don't care if they have Victor Hedman. Tampa has to be ready to play this series, and they will lightning in seven games. Okay. So we have... They're going to win. They are not going to get beaten by the Jackets twice. So far, we have the same predictions, which is fun. Yeah, identical. Absolutely identical. Which totally means that it's going to be Canadians in six and Blue Jackets (laughs) in seven. Canadians are definitely sweeping the Flyers. Of course, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, like I, I know you're joking, but like it's like don't joke with that man. (laughs) Honestly, these 2020 playoffs, this entire freaking year has thrown us for a loop. I expect absolutely everything. I know. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, don't just don't joke about that. Like, it could happen. (laughs) I'm making honest predictions. I, 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 I say Philly in six and Lightning in seven. So far, those are my picks. But I would not be surprised if I'm wrong, given how this is going. All right, so uh, the next series is Washington, the three seed, and the Islanders, the seven seed. Um, this is the, the uh, so both the Lightning and the Flyers were definitely trying because I've watched all. I mean, I watched all those, t- all three of these teams play the Bruins, so I, I'm able to attest on which team was trying or not. I guess it's a little different for Washington when we played them because. Um, you know, that the last game kind of meant a little bit something, but, um, but like, yeah, I think I saw the, the lightning and the Capitals game and I was like, all right, I don't know if the Capitals are really trying. I mean, I guess they did force overtime and all that stuff, but it felt like weird to get a sense of how bad the Capitals were. I'm in the round Robin. (laughs) They're... Guess I you may already know, but if in case you don't, guess who was the leading point scorer for the Capitals? Uh Tom Wilson. Nope. But it's someone that you hate. I guess I'll just say it. Radko Gudis. Oh my god. <laughs> Radko Gudis. He had it should also be yeah. it should also be mentioned uh John Carlson's status is questionable, yep, so I don't think point. he played all that much, which yep. might explain why Kudas was able to get so many well, points. Well, if, if Kudas is your leading point scorer, that tells you a lot about it. <laughs> it, was... it shows you they have a lot of defensive depth. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, exactly, exactly. It shows you how 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 much effort they put into this game if Radko Gudas... Anyways, Radko Gudas has had two points in those Rand Robins, too. He has two assists. Everyone else had one point um, or zero points, so <laughs> that, that just goes to show you how um, how much they're they're struggling right now. Um, yeah, like they they got yep. two goals against the Bruins, and that was enough to beat them. They got yep. one goal against Philly and against Tampa. They got most of their offense, and they lost in a shootout. Yep. So so yeah. Um, so I think they're they're interesting. On the flip side, you have um, the Islanders. I did, so I'm going to be honest, I didn't watch any of the Islanders 
uh, series against the Panthers. Um, not that I hate them, it's just I was <laughs> bored. I did. I, I I just couldn't be bothered. So um, you're just mad that they got Mac Purcell in your brewery. Basically, yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's more just I don't think they're an exciting team. So um, and I had work to do. So, um, anyways, uh, I see here Bolivia had five points. Um, yep. in this round, um, so Derek he was Broussard good. Derek Broussard was good. Led the team in helpers. Entering yep. game four, he led the team in helpers. Yeah, he was good at the start of the season, if I re- remember. Uh, Devin Tays. Yeah, he had like you know, 30 to 40 points this year. Yeah, yeah Devin Tays, uh, he had a pretty yeah. good uh, playoffs last year, too, so um, yeah, he was doing well. this year he's picked up where he left off yeah. as well, I can't I can confirm. So that was another one, too. So... Um, yeah, and of course, when you have a Barry Trotz team and um, or Mitch Corn team, you're you're going to be good uh, defensively speaking and goaltending wise as well. So, um, of course, they're going to be a um, they're going to be an issue for the Washington Capitals. Of course, the Washington Capitals know a bit about Barry Trotz to say the least. Uh, that's kind of like the understatement, considering um, of. Like Barry Trotz was a coach there for a while. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I think this is going to be one of those things where I feel like it's like Braden Holtby hasn't been as good this year as we're used to. So it's like that's what I feel like it's going to depend on if if Braden Holtby can turn it on and and be that guy that we expect him to be. Or if it's if Samuel Varlamov is just gonna be um, like have a one point seven seven GAA and a save percentage of nine three two, so so yeah I I don't know I guess the fact that and also I guess John Carlson being out is also going to be pretty tough. I don't know I I think maybe I could see the Islanders winning it. But it's it's gonna be in seven games, so I'm going with Islanders in seven games. Islanders in seven games, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, that that void on the blue line by John Carlson, if it's not filled, uh, yeah. that's a big disadvantage right off the bat for the Capitals, and especially with guys like Devin Taves and Brian Pulock on the back end for the Islanders, uh, really stepping it up in the playing series with Florida. Uh, this Islanders team is built on depth, just like they were last year, and they're also thriving on team play. Um, game four against Florida, Panthers as a team posted 25 shots on goal in the game. In 60 minutes of action, Brett, the Islanders blocked 31 shots. Wow. They blocked more shots than the Panthers had shots on goal the entire game. That is the type of hockey they like to play. It's the type of hockey that works for them. You look, you look at look at how lethal the Panthers were this year whenever they got a power play chance. They have the best top six words, arguably, in the entire league. Uh, arguably, one of the best power plays in the entire league when you look at star power. New York thwarted their attack for most of the series. And it's going to be harder for the Cavs to generate offense if their power play is not going, especially if the Islanders are playing five-on-five hockey. And I think five-on-five hockey is going to determine this series big time. Yeah. Um, but you're right. It also is going to come down to goaltending. Uh, the Capitals don't have Samsonov if Holpe is struggling, and I don't know if Holpe's going to deliver the goods this year as well. He's been hot and cold all season long. Varlamov, to me, looks pretty motivated to go on a nice little run with his teammates. I swear we didn't share predictions. I'm taking the Islanders <laughs> in seven games as well. Holy shit. 
<laughs> we're three for three. Like we're it's okay. We're probably gonna be wrong at this point. Like, I know. We're, we're we're on the same wavelength right now. Yeah, I mean we uh, that's been our inside joke for a while now. Is we're we're on the same <laughs> wavelength. So yeah. Um. All right. Now we get to the Bruins, the the team yeah. I'm focusing yeah, this on. This is the one we're yeah. probably gonna differ here. <laughs> okay. Interesting. I feel like All we're right. gonna differ on this. We'll see. Well, now I know. Well, okay. Now I know. Yeah, because I know what you think I think. Okay. okay so Anyways. Like the listeners, Brett, Hurricanes and Bruins, uh, they met in the conference finals yep. last year. Rematch. This year, probably should have met in the conference finals this year. Would rather that than this yep. in round one. But either way, pretty good series on paper, yeah? Yeah, for sure. I, yeah, if I was just, like, if I had no stakes in the matter, if I didn't care, this would be the series I would watch. All the time. I mean, I guess that was a weird statement because, of course, I'm going to watch anyways. But, like, I'm just saying, like, this is going to be the most exciting series because I think this is one of those things where, like, I could see it going anyway. Uh, I could see the Bruins sweeping. I could see the Carolinas sweeping. I could see the Bruins playing seven games. I could also see, um, you know, the, uh, the, the Canes winning in seven games. So... Uh, yeah, I think it's it's very possible that um, uh, like it can go any which way for for this as well. Um, I'm trying to pull up the quote here, but uh, in the meantime, yeah, it's it's interesting because I think Again, like, I, I know I mentioned that the Flyers were the hottest team in the playoffs, but the actual hottest team was the Carolina Hurricanes. And they had, um, uh, they had, uh, um, you know, they swept the, the New York Rangers. By the way, I don't know if you saw, but the Hurricanes Twitter said, uh, you're welcome, New York oh, Rangers. Yeah. So I they added the New York Rangers. Great. Yeah. So um, you have, like, uh, Sebastian Ajo flying on all cylinders, um, and you know he was even more dangerous than McDavid was, which is quite a feat. You have Andre Sveshnikov and all that stuff. Sammy Vatanen, who they got over in the trade deadline, so he's been pretty good. Um, you know you have so many guys too. Like it's not just Ajo and Sveshnikov, who are both stars now. Um, you know Nikosh had his moments. Teravainen. Uh, even like Nino Nitterreiter had a point, uh, Morgan Geeky, uh, as we mentioned, Warren Fogel as well. Uh, so Jacob Slavin, who always shows up in the playoffs somehow. Um, and then, and not to mention they're getting Doug Hamilton back. Um, he has been cleared to play. So there's that. On the other hand, you have the Boston Bruins who, so I, I know I laughed at Radko Gudis, um, do you want to take a guess on who was the leading point scorer for the Bruins in the round robin? Oh boy, um, Chris Wagner. Yep, yeah. I guess that was an easier one. Got but that yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, Chris he's Wagner. A, he's a playoff performer, that guy. Yeah, yeah. Raleigh. But still, Raleigh straight up killed in the playoffs. But still, yeah. No, you're right. And uh, he had two goals, um, and he's also on the fourth line, and. So that also shows you, much like if Radko Gudis is your leading point scorer, if 
if Chris Wagner is your leading point scorer with two points, you're, something's off. Um, also, I guess Charlie McAvoy tied because he also had two points too. But um, yeah, and and not to mention the fact that the the best three players, the Bergeron, Marshawn, and Pasternak, they combined for one point. Um, that's it. So, uh, Marshawn and Pasternak. Just wait until they get going, though. Yeah, so, so that, that brings me to my next point. So, the Bruins were the hottest team, um, all year in the regular season, and now they're facing the hottest team, um, in the playoffs, because these Canes were, I mean, I guess you could make the case that the Flyers were the hottest team, but, um, at the same time, like, the, the Flyers weren't battling elimination every game. (laughs) <laughs> whereas the Hurricanes were. So, so yeah, the Hurricanes are the hottest team in the playoffs so far, and then you have the hottest team in the regular season. Um, they were the only team that had 100 points wire-to-wire. They were the best team at all times. And then you have quotes like Brad Marchand, who says on the Round Robins, those are preseason games. Let's call it what it is. You had Tuga Rask who said that, oh, now the, the the play finally starts, or now the playoffs are finally beginning. And you even had Bruce Cassidy saying, like, yeah, we, we just took these as exhibition games. So that's fine. But if the Bruins get swept by the Carolina Hurricanes because, like, they didn't try at all, like, they didn't turn it on, I'm going to be so furious. Like, I may even... Is it possible to go 0-7 in the playoffs? Yeah, yeah. Like, really? <laughs> yeah. I may... That would be I, funny I, as hell, man. I, I know I'm, like, a ride-or-die Bruins fan, but I may have to, like... I don't know. How much do you love your team? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I may have to just, like... like <laughs> Tear it over like, your Like, I'll, I'll go into, like, an existential crisis, basically. I'm not going to say I won't watch any of the games, because I know I will. I'm not going to say, like, I'll never be a fan again, because I know I, I still will be. You'll but, be embarrassed. But, yeah, I'm going to be, like, I'm just going to go through the whole off season, even whole next season, where I'm just, like, they didn't try. Like they, they were that cocky that they, they just like didn't take the round robin seriously. Like I know it's it's stupid and like if if like they should have had the one seed and these games should have been exhibition games. Yes, but they're not. <laughs> you know, it's just it's just like I I don't even care if like if if they lost them and they tried. They just admitted that they don't try. Like, why Why should I even bother following them when they're not even trying? The whole point of these playing games, yeah. or round-robin games, is to get ready for the play-in, so you're just like, oh, we didn't have enough time to prepare for this series. We yeah. gave you three games. No, so I know. If you didn't try, right? So, yeah, I get that, but, like, it's just... So I, I know the Rand Robins are stupid and like these should have been exhibition games and then they should have just had the Bruins be one and done it like that. But yeah. like still, it's just like, why are you, it's, it's just, it's just, uh, I, like, I, I hope they better, like, they're like, okay, I guess it's fine. They're calling their shot. They, they earned that right to do that. They, you know, they were in the Stanley Cup finals last year. They, they've been a pretty good team all year too but I just don't know if teams can actually like turn it on even as a team like the Bruins that 
that have been so good um, all year. I don't know if they can just turn it on. Um, having said that, I still have some faith in them. Um, so I have the Bruins in seven, but I am, um, but I, I'm pretty close to like losing it if, if, if like if it's a sweep or something like that. Well, at least you're not the Ottawa center. <laughs> true, true. It could be worse. You're right. But <laughs> could always be worse. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but still, yeah. it's it's like I don't know. it's just uh, you, at least the Senators try. <laughs> with whatever resources. Yeah, they have. with whatever, like even the if they don't have as much talent, they at least try. You know, so, so that's that's that's. Anyways, I rant over your spiel. <laughs> Thomas Chabot's the best defenseman in the league, Eric. Someday. <laughs> oh, great. Right now, um, all the games were hard fought last year when they played the Hurricanes. Uh, they had to win some ugly games. They're going to have to win some ugly games uh, this year. Yeah, they're the only NHL team to register 100 points, but I think it all comes down to chemistry and overall momentum, something the Hurricanes have and the Bruins don't have as much have. Um, and this this quote by Chris Carter of the Rangers after they lost the Hurricanes in three straight, pretty interesting. He says the Rangers were trying to hit the Hurricanes hard in Game 3. Says he didn't like that because he maintains his team plays the best hockey when they were playing their style of game, and it's not hitting people. If the Canes aren't letting Boston play their game, that helps their odds of winning big time. Mm -hmm. Because the Bruins have a lot of offensive depth to work with. We've seen their overall game when they do not play it correctly. And when they are playing the right way, they are an absolute wagon. Um, it didn't look like in a round robin like the Bruins were playing like themselves. Uh, Carolina, meantime, firing on all cylinders. They're using their speed to force errors and scoring chances. They can do it while killing a penalty or at even strength at any point in a hockey game. I would call them the Eastern Conference's Vegas Golden Knights because they play so similar to that style of play where they're just absolutely relentless. You don't see them stop skating or moving their feet. They're coming at you in waves. Their attacks, um, like I said, very fun to watch and just unrelenting. Uh, ultimately, makes it tougher for the other team to be comfortable in their own skin and just play their brand. When you don't have the time and space to do so, it's it's going to be tough. And like you said, Aho and Sveshnikov have taken a step forward as well. Uh, in between the pipes, it's it's a toss-up. I'd like the Mrazek-Reimer tandem right now. I would still take the tandem of Rask and Halak over them uh, on paper. I think they have what it takes to get it done. Um, I, I'm going to say... It will go seven games, but I'm going to pick the Hurricanes. So we slightly differ, but we both agree it goes seven. Yeah, I I figured when you said that you we're going to differ in this this one, I, I knew well, you were I, I just that figured way. you would pick with your team. That's yeah, 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 of course. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Hurricanes win, by the way. Um, I, I think the, the one concern I do have with the Hurricanes is, yeah, they have a great forward group and they have a great defenseman core, especially with Dougie Hamilton back. Um, I don't know, like, and James Reimer was pretty good against the Rangers, um, and so was Mrazek. I'm not sure if they're going to be consistent, though, um, and the Rangers are a different team than the Bruins are, so it's, it's like, 
I, I feel like it's going to be tough for the Hurricanes, if especially if Pasternak and Marshawn get going. Of course, that's like, um, you know, we, I hope that they get going um, and they turn it on. But uh, so, like, I guess that's going to be the key is if Pasternak and Marshawn can get it going, um, then, yeah, I think this Bruins team is going to be tough to beat. But, yeah, like, um, it's, it's, it's one of those situations yeah. where um, it, it's it's going to come down to, like like I said, momentum and, and team depth as well. Yeah. Um, and, and the Hurricanes on the back end, of, I think, have more depth than they had when they faced the Bruins last year. Um, they have more depth uh, on the forwards as well, uh, which I think adds uh, to their advantage too. And I think just ultimately... I think they've learned from their series loss to Boston, and I think when you learn from defeats like that, it can only make you better. Yeah. So um, that's why I'm giving the Hurricanes the benefit of the doubt. Again, I could see Boston winning because of the Boston Bruins, and they got 100 points, and they're a very good team. Um, but I like how Carolina's playing, so I'm going with them. Yeah. Also, it would be nice to see Jake Gardner and uh, James Reimer beat Boston in Toronto. That would be hilarious. Yeah, that's a good point, too. I forgot about that. That's another storyline. All right. <laughs> now let's go to the Western Conference, and we have a, another old team versus new team type situation because we have Vegas-Chicago here. Um, if you don't remember, Robin Leonard was, uh, was traded from Chicago to Vegas um, in uh, the um, just before the trade deadline. Of course, uh I don't think Chicago, when they made this trade, I don't think they expected, either either team expected uh, them to to meet in the playoffs, but okay, yeah. now here we are. Um, but uh, I guess this will this will probably play a factor because Rob, it's, now it's like Robin Leonard versus Corey Crawford. Um, and yeah, I think that's, that's kind of uh, an interesting thing. Robin Leonard has been actually playing pretty pretty good in these playoffs um he had oh, oh yeah actually not really um better than Mark andre Fleury uh, 903 save percentage and a 2.89 GAA so that's decent um and then you had Mark Stone who has five points in uh, three games um they also like came back from the was it the yeah it was against the Blues um and they um <laughs> and they won 6-4 they had like a barrage of points that way so they, they also, they also uh, yeah. were down 3-1 to Dallas and they yeah. came back in the third period in the third period they outscored their opponents 7-1 to in the three around Robin games they played yeah so yeah they 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 are ready um and they're like I guess they were sort of treating these like exhibition games but they're also like oh like we this is gonna be seeding and we're gonna like the difference between playing the Blackhawks versus playing the Canucks. They don't want to do that. So, um, or the Coyotes. Or the Coyotes. I, I'm just saying because like the Canucks are a better team than the the yeah, Blackhawks yeah. are. No, so. for sure. Um, yeah, the thing for the Blackhawks though, I guess it's kind of like the same kind of question that you have for the Canadians. Is like this was a team that was you know just gearing up for next season, um, and now that they're in the playoffs. Like, they have a bunch of guys who have playoff experience with Jonathan Taze, Patrick Kane, Duncan Keith. Um, so, 
And then you add, like, guys like Dominic Kubelik, uh, Kirby Doc, um, to bring Cat is another one. Who you, so you bring them, you give them a couple of experiences as well. Oh, I forgot about Kerry Crawford. Corey, Kerry Crawford. Corey Crawford um, um, in net there. So, yeah, I think you, this 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 is another series where I wouldn't be surprised, I guess, if the Blackhawks pull it off because, like, I've learned from 2015 that you just never count out Jonathan Tate and Patrick Kane um, when you're in the playoffs because uh, I thought they were done in 2015 and it turns out they weren't. Um, and so now, uh, now that they're in the playoffs, I feel like it's it's they're going to be a tough out, um, especially when Dominic Kubalik was like really really good. Uh, he had six points in four games and he had like a five point game in in game one. Um, however, I I'm gonna take the Golden Knights in six. Yeah, uh, this whole concept, man, like, the Hawks realized they were going to narrowly make the postseason, so they sold pending UFAs to contending yeah. teams. Like, it's incredible. I don't know why, why I don't know why more teams don't do this. Like, that's a genius concept. Yeah. Um, mostly <laughs> because you're this taking is a 2020 shot. and we'll never see this game, but yeah. Nice, nice shot at the Sens there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that work, it, it works. Well, like the one tenth of the time. But. Well, the Sens did trade JG Peugeot, so there's something. Yeah, and, they, and they got a first. And they got a first. Full credit, they're gonna get a fir- another first round pick. They have three yep, firsts, so that's great. for sure. Yep, and and the Devils get three firsts too, so we yep. got a Taylor Hall trade looks pretty. Yeah, good. I think it's something yeah. like if, I think even they could have two consecutive back to back ones too, if like, yeah. the Lightning and the. Um, I think it, who was the other team? It was like if the Lightning and the Canucks both lose um, in this round, then you get back to back. Yeah, keeping track of trades can get pretty confusing yep. when the playoffs start. You forget. Oh yeah, I forgot about that condition. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me. Anyways. Uh yeah. Uh, so anyways, um, back to the Vegas Chicago series. At the end of the day, uh, Chicago, similar to Edmonton, on the outside looking in. Uh, Alex Tuck has got it going for Vegas. He had it rough during the regular season, um, but um, he's really he turned it up in the playoffs. Mark Stone scoring big goals, making big brain plays out there. There was one play against Dallas where um, he didn't really see anyone on Vegas to pass it to, so he just dumped it near the Stars bench. The reason he did that, the Stars were changing. He figures, oh, the Stars touched this get a delayed game power play it didn't work out but the fact that he had the guts and the balls to make that play is incredible and one of the reasons why the Sun shouldn't have traded it anyways um he was scoring big goals started that comeback against Dallas scored the 3-2 goal um and then Vegas comes all the way back scores the game winner in the matchup with St. Louis sets up the Alex Tuck OT winner against the Avs uh now potentially Patch Reddy is going to be back he uh Missed a lot of uh, the round-robin games. Shea Theodore, by the way, speaking of performances in round-robin games, he was very good as well for Vegas. And just as a team, they have a lot of depth, perhaps too much for Chicago to contain. And in the net, it's no exception. You have Marc-Andre Fleury, you have Robin Leonard. Um, Over the past few years, they've been very good in the NHL. And now that they're fully rested... Uh, that definitely bodes well for the Golden Knights. Um, 
And the interesting uh, thing is about this series is that head coach Pierre DeBoer expects to use Leonard and Fleury at various stages in these playoffs. Um, so that's something, again, that Chicago doesn't have. Uh, is Corey Crawford or bust for them? If Robin Leonard struggles, they can always go to Fleury and vice versa if Fleury struggles. Um, so uh, DeBoer's got something in his back pocket that he can use. They also have arguably the best fourth line in the league with Ryan Reeds and William Carrier. Um, those guys are hitting bodies, but they can also chip in with timely goals. Um, so I like their chances of doing some damage against Chicago as well. Um, for the Hawks, I think self-confidence is key here. Uh, they had to go through McDavid and Dreisaitl along with the Oilers team that, again, boasted a power play attack that had a 14% difference in power play success in Chicago's units, and yet they still beat them. Uh, Vegas doesn't rely on special teams. They rely on a re relentless attack. Like I said, big third-period team outscored opponents 7-1 to one in round-robin play in the final 20 minutes. So the starts and the finishes for Chicago in these games are going to be crucial. Um, I don't see how uh, Jeremy Carlton can match up offensively, defensively, or, again, between the pipes in this series. Yes, Dominic Kabalik, as you mentioned, Brett got a huge goal in Game 4 to win for Chicago, also had a monster Game 1 in between from a consistency perspective. Um, it's it's something that, uh, for the underdogs, it's going to be tough to overcome. They're going to steal a few games, and um, once again, right on the money, Vegas in six games. Oh, so... Oh, we got... Uh, oh, you had... Yeah. Yeah, we had the same we one. We have identical right. predictions again. So we've Except gone through five series four times. We've both uh, read each other's minds yep. on the nose. Exactly. Um, all right, let's go with uh, the next series, uh, Colorado versus Arizona. Uh, so we kind of, like, this was, these are two teams that finally got all their healthy players back. Um, yep. Arizona, you, you get Darcy Kemper back, who's, who had been incredible. I guess, by the way, I think Auntie Ranta is injured, <laughs> which of course he is. Unfit to play, yeah. Yeah, which of course he is. Um, but, uh, yeah, but in his stead, Kemper had uh, a 2.71 GAA and a save percentage of 933. Um, yeah, so he has, needless to say, he had been pretty good. That's, uh, that's I think that's pretty good. Um, <laughs> you could say that. Um, and then, but will that be enough for a fully healthy Colorado Avalanche team that finally gets uh, Nazem Kadri, uh, Miko Rantanen, Andre Burakovsky, um, of course you have Nathan McKinnon too, and then I think they also had, uh, yeah, they also had Philip Grubauer as well. So, so these were all players that were injured before the season ended. Um, and now they're healthy and they're back. And, um, of course, you can't discredit uh, Nathan McKinnon or Kale McCarr or Gabriel Landeskog. Um, so they're going to be a, a tough out as well. Um, on the other end of the Arizona Coyotes, I mean, this has been a thing forever for the Coyotes. Um, they're scoring. But it wasn't actually too bad this, uh, this time around. Uh, Kessel finally... Performed. Taylor Hall finally performed. Uh, they both had four points in four games. Uh, one of those were goals and then three assists for each of them. 
And then you also had OEL who was performing too. He had he had one goal and three assists as well. Um, and then you had Clayton Keller who had two goals, two assists. So they they were actually scoring, which is uh, which isn't bad, especially if against like the Nashville Predators team that doesn't score that off. You know that that has a defensively sound game and um, pretty good goaltending as well. So yeah, I think. Um, I, I feel like, like, I know the Colorado Avalanche are the cup favorite, um, and if I had more balls, I would take the Coyotes, but I'm going to go with the Avalanche in seven. Avalanche in seven, okay. Um, yeah, the, no question that, uh, the Avalanche looked pretty intimidating, I think, uh, they're more scary to play against than the roster they put out in 2013-14 when Patrick Waugh won Coach of the Year. Uh, you look at Kadri, not suspended in the playoffs, scoring big goals in huge situations. Burakovsky chiming in with big plays as well. Nathan McKinnon is playing like Nathan McKinnon normally does. Overall, a good blend of new and old on this team. They're thriving on speed and skill, and they're a freaking wagon. And I would argue their tandem and goal is the strongest I've seen in years. Maybe the strongest in team history. Like, I know they had Patrick Law for many, many years, but, like, in terms of, like, backups, like, they had some decent backups, but, like, in terms of, like, a solid one-two punch, I don't think I've ever seen one um, this strong where, you know, someone goes down with an injury or someone's struggling, the other guy comes in and just absolutely steps it up. So... Uh, the tandem of Grubauer and Franz Deuce played solid from start to finish. Uh, I definitely hope that continues if I'm an Avalanche fan. Um, one of my buddies on the other side of the coin thinks Arizona will be able to knock off the ass. I can wow. see why you would think that. Um, Brad Richardson advanced them to the postseason with an OT win over Nashville in Game 4. Uh, that's their first trip to the postseason since 2012 when, coincidentally, they beat the Preds on route to the conference finals. That's right. Um, Death guys are leading the way. They have veterans like Derek Stefan. In game three, he blocked four shots, was a pest defensively, and one of his big blocks led to an assist on a game winner by Connor Garland. And then Darcy Kemper being a beast in the net. Uh, game three, 19 saves in the opening 20 minutes. That set a franchise record for most saves in the playoff period. He topped the previous mark of 18, which he achieved a few games ago in game one versus Nashville to match Sean Burke, Ely Bruce Gallup, and Wayne Smith. Um, in this season, this guy has started back-to-back -back uh, started games on back-to-back -back days eight times in his career. He owns a 5-3 and three record with a 9-39 save percentage and a 1.85 goals against in the set second game of those back-to-back -back sets in his career. That's pretty good. Uh, in the four-game series as a whole, he was incredible. 9.33 save percentage in the series. Faced 40-plus shots on three occasions. Only one of those went to overtime, so uh, most of the series was decided in regulation. In the series clincher, which went to overtime, he stopped 49 of 52 shots. He faced 163 shots in that four-game series, which is an average of 40.75 shots faced per start. And you look at that 2.7 goals against average, it might seem pretty high, but when you put those numbers into context, he had an astounding series against the Predators, and probably the main reason why they won. Um, but does he have an answer for that Avalanche team? 
The difference between Colorado and Nashville is Colorado can score in the power play. And not only can they score on the power play, they are the most lethal in the league when it comes to the extra man. You can't afford to take a single penalty against guys any day of the week, month, or year because they have so much potency on that power play. They can really make it tough on you. I'm going to say absent six. Okay. Oh, so that's a different one. Yeah, one, one game less. I'm taking the abs in six, you take the abs in seven. Okay, cool. Um, all right, so I don't know if, if you guys have noticed, but I've, I've come up with storylines for all these ones. Uh, these last two are a bit of a stretch, I'll have to admit, but um, but so bear with me here. Um, it's all about history, guys. Yeah, it's all about history here. Uh, <laughs> that's why they're a bit of a stretch. Uh, so... Dallas and Calgary uh, is our next matchup here, um, and so I have here, I don't know, I forget when this actually happened, but this was before I was even a fan of hockey, uh, but there was a famous, I don't know if you know this, but Jerome Aginlow was drafted by the Dallas Stars, um, and then he was traded uh, to Calgary for, uh, I think there was another prospect, but then there was also Joe Neuendijk. Um Neuendijk, uh later won the cup for the Dallas Stars, um, and uh, Jerome McGinley, of course, is now a Hall of Famer. Um, most of those, uh, most of his career was playing in Calgary, and now they're facing off against each other, which is kind of um, fun. I don't know if this is a storyline though, really, because you know, I think, I think Joe Neuendijk is like part of the Dallas Stars team or something like that. I don't know. Something like that. But anyways, um, it's neither, t neither one of those players are playing right now. Um, and instead we have the Dallas Stars and the Calgary Flames. Um, I think we mentioned this before when we were doing the Ryan Robin preview. Uh, the Dallas Stars had like lost like eight of their last 10 games. Um, just before the, the pandemic hit, truly hit. Um, and then um, and then they were just kind of struggling uh, throughout the round robin. Again, they lost their first two games. And then they just scored in the last second uh, to tie it up. And then they won in a shootout um, in, uh, uh, to beat St. Louis. So now they got the third seed. So instead of playing Vancouver, they play Calgary. Both are going to be pretty tough outs, anyways. But um, <laughs> I, I think I think I'd rather play Calgary. I think. Um, what's What's yeah. interesting about this playoff series, and you were you were struggling to find like a connection to these teams. It's pretty hard because the only time in NHL history, according to Wikipedia, the only time in NHL history. These two teams met in the playoffs was 1981 wow. when the Stars were in Minnesota and they were called the Minnesota North Stars. So in reality, this is probably the first time in recent memory that we that we've been roaming this earth that these two teams have squared off in the playoffs. Okay. And they played in the Western Conference for many, many years. What? So the fact that it's taken this long to for them to square up against each other is pretty interesting. Why didn't you mention that? 
<laughs> before because I just thought of it. That's why. I was just like, what are these teams playing in the playoffs <laughs> like, last? I feel like it hasn't happened that often. And you, you looked sure it up? Enough, it hasn't. Okay. <laughs> you should have mentioned that because that's more interesting a storyline than the other one. Well, it's, it's interesting because Aginla never played a game for the Stars. But anyway, right, that's why That's why it's not, that, that's not a storyline. So, um, anyways, um, yeah, so the, uh, yeah, anyways, um, so back to present day, um, the, uh, yeah, the Calgary Flames look pretty good, um, although I think there is still, well, okay, I was gonna say there is some question mark about Cam Talbot, but he had a pretty good, uh, series against the Winnipeg Jets. Of course, you don't have, they didn't have Shifley or Line 8, but still, you know, you stop Kyle Connor from scoring a lot, you, you stop uh, Blake Wheeler from scoring a lot, you stop, um, there's another one there. Oh, well, I guess Ellery's had a couple of nice moments there too, but, um, you know, those are, those are tough people to uh, force them into a cold streak, so, um, so it, it's, it's, it's impressive that he was, he was doing pretty well. Um, and then Sean Monaghan, he was my X Factor, and he was actually an X Factor. He had six points, um, two of them were goals, four were assists. Andrew Mangiapane, um, was going to be my X Factor, but then I was like, you know what, let's, I didn't realize that Monaghan had 40 points this year. Um, he, he also showed up, and, uh, get this, uh, Milan Lucic also, uh, tied for second. Uh, for most points um, on the Calgary Flames right here, which is interesting because he had four points as well. Um, Sam Bennett showed up. Um, of course, Matthew. Yeah, Sam Bennett was doing Jonathan a little bit Goudreau. of everything against Winnipeg. Yeah. He brought a lot of energy. To yeah, that he, team. he was he was pretty good. Johnny Goudreau and Matthew Kachuk were of course there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, and I guess uh, another question mark there. For the the Flames are it's their defensive side of things. Like, I don't see Mark Giordano on this board here. I guess you have um, Noah Hannafin, but like he only had two assists there. Rasmus Anderson looked decent. Eric Gustafson, who they got on the trade deadline, he was pretty good too. But um, yeah, I don't. I guess Mark Giordano didn't even. Oh no, he did play. He just had one assist. Um, so, so yeah, I think. I think maybe the fact that I know that the stars were struggling and I like they, they don't have the shootout to bail them out this time. I think because of that, I'm going to go with the upset here and I'm going to go with the flames and six. You're going to go with the flames and six. Well, it's that's interesting because um, with the way the stars have been playing, the flames have been playing. It's it, it might seem like an upset, but it's not really that much of an upset. Yeah. I mean, Calgary's offensive depth has managed to, to fire on all cylinders. Uh, they were able to match Winnipeg fun, punch for punch in their qualifying series. Uh, and like you said, they were getting goals from guys like Milan Lucic and Sam Bennett. Yep. Uh, um, Sean Monaghan, good series from him. Kachuk doing what he does best. Him and Corey Perry going at it. I can't wait to see that. That yep. would be a good matchup uh, to watch throughout the series. Um, the documented problem for the Stars, it's been a documented problem the past couple of years. How many goals can they score in a game? Um, it could cost them their season, honestly. Uh, they couldn't contain 
Vegas's third period surge. Colorado shut them out four to nothing. Like you mentioned, if it wasn't for Joe Pavelski, they got shut out by the Blues as well. And they had 38 shots in that game too. Jake Allen uh, was was playing very good for St. Louis as well, and appeared to have Dallas's number and up until that point. Um, and the the other thing that's going for both teams is their goaltending, because Talbot's played pretty well for the Flames. If he struggles, they have David Riddick sitting on the bench. He's had his moments, and. The question about Ben Bishop, whether or not he'll be ready to go, uh, apparently him and Sagan were unfit to play in the in the round-robin finale against the Blues. Um, but even if Bishop doesn't play, Udovin's performance this year has just been awesome as Ben Bishop. So um, even then, I'm not really worried about the Stars in that regard. Um, in terms of where this series could start and end, uh, unlike Vegas, who relies on their dynamic third periods to get them out of sticky situations, this team is more or less who is getting first blood. Uh, getting the first jump on the other team is going to be so critical in this series, especially when you're the Dallas Stars and you struggle to score goals. You need to buy your offense a little bit of time, and it's easier to do that when you have a lead to work with. So they need to have good starts to their hockey games. Uh, it's easier to go out there and play your brand when you're not playing from behind. Uh, in terms of... Who wins and in how many games? I'm gonna go Flames and Six as well. Wow. Okay. So, I, so we're vibing off each other pretty good. Yeah, I guess so. I love it's. It's always funny whenever I give my predictions and then you're like, okay, interesting. <laughs> like I'm trying to like figure out like, does that mean that you had the same prediction as I did? Again, yeah. I promise we didn't share our predictions ahead of time. Like but even still, like we're finding this out in real time right now. I know. Yeah, of course. I know, <laughs> but like. Even, like, like for, like, when I said Avalanche and 7, like, I, you could have had Avalanche and 7, but you're like, you know what, I'm going to go with Avalanche and 6 just so I don't... <laughs> I, I just don't know if the Kemper magic's going to last, that's all. <laughs> all right. Let's go to the last one. And, of course, I had to relate this to the Bruins. Um, <laughs> so, it's uh, St. Louis and Vancouver. I think it's mostly because now, whenever I think of these teams, it's like, Oh, that's the team that the Bruins beat in the playoffs, in the Stanley Cup Finals, and that's the team that the Bruins lost to in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, so, um, so yeah, so that's that's the storyline I have. One loss to the Bruins in the Stanley Cup Finals, and they, and one beat the Bruins in the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, both were... Uh, I'm still bitter about that St. Louis uh, Stanley Cup Final, um, but whatever. Um, but at least we have one uh, against the Vancouver Canucks. Um, yeah, um, and that, that was both in this decade. Of course, the Vancouver Canucks are a, a different team than they were in 2011. Um, like, most notably, you have Quinn Hughes, you have Elias Pettersson, um, even Brock Besser. Um, I actually kind of like the Vancouver Canucks um, to the point where I'm actually rooting for them. I, it's such a sticky feeling, but like I'm, I'm actually gonna root for them. Um, but yeah, uh, Quinn Hughes had a, a good uh, matchup. I think he had like a historic rookie playoff uh, thing. I don't know if do these points count towards like actual playoff points? I forget, but um. Who cares? He was a beast. He was a beast, yeah. He had six points, five assists, one goal, 
I'm Elias Pettersson. I heard he had like five points in like five periods or something. Yeah, like, something crazy who like does that. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, who knows? Uh, Elias Pettersson had four points, um, one goal and three assists. Um, Chris Tanev also had four points. It's crazy. Yeah, and uh, the series winner in overtime. Yeah, yeah. Eleven seconds in, no big deal. Yeah, and then um, the only thing was, I don't know if you were watching any of the games, but Markstrom didn't look himself, really. Um, in game four, particularly, he didn't know. The elimination game, there was a couple of games where you're just, a couple of goals where you're like, why didn't Markstrom have that? Um, I mean, to, to to the Wilds' credit, they, they were pretty good goals, but like at the same time, it's like, Markstrom should have had them. Um but yes, he. I, I'm looking here though. I guess his stats weren't that bad though. He had a 2.27 GAA and a save percentage of 9.26 in those four games. But yeah, it's. Um, I feel like he needs to get going in order for the Canucks to go far in the playoffs. Um, as for the Blues, it's interesting because yes, they were the best. Like a lot, like the Bruins, they were the best team in the Western Conference um, and um, in the regular season. But then, um, but I think the Blues were actually trying. <laughs> um, they, they were actually, like, doing well. Uh, so it's tough to say if they, like, um, it's, it's, it's like the Bruins, if, like, they were considering this, like, an exhibition or something like that. But, um, yeah, so... Uh, but the Blues, uh, Ryan O'Reilly had a good three rounds in the, in the round robins. He had three assists, um, but that's pretty much it. David Perron had two goals. Um, that's pretty much it in terms of that. But, like, in terms of goaltending, both were, uh, well, Jordan Binnington had a 4.1 GAA and a city percentage of 895. That's not good, of course. That's two See, games. Th- yeah. You know what? I, yeah. I don't think St. Louis's goaltending was as bad as the stats indicate. Yeah. Like, Vegas was shelling St. Louis in terms of shots. Yeah. And yeah, they, they didn't look good in the third period. They got outscored 3 nothing. Not all of that was on Bennington's fault. Yeah. The rest of his team didn't even get 20 shots on goal. Good point. They didn't even get. 25 shots on goal against the Stars. They had 22 in that game. Yep. Um, so I think all things considered, their goaltending wasn't the problem. Uh, there yeah. Are other areas that for sure. And I'm looking here. Jake Allen actually did pretty well in his one game there. Um, yeah. Against Dallas, he was very yeah. good. Almost shut them out again. If it wasn't yeah. for Pavelski, would have had a shutout. Exactly. Or that shut. Uh, or that shootout. Which, by the way, it's it's, it's so strange to have. Like I know this is technically <laughs> not the playoffs, but. Like, to have the shootout in in the playoffs is so, so, so weird. Um, especially, like, a deciding game of who, which team plays against. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's, like, a meaningful game. Um, and so then you're like, oh, okay, I guess uh, I guess it's, it's going to be a, a shootout. Because then it's like, I think, like, the Blues were the better team that whole game. It's just... I mean, yeah, like, whatever. can you imagine, like, Vegas and Colorado yeah. duking it out in a shootout, and you've got, like, Leonard's shootout record that it's on record, it hasn't been good, yep. and that just decides who wins the top seed in the West? I can see why a lot of people would be pissed off about that. Yeah. Um, so, I I went back and forth with this. 
Um, I know it's going to, I think it's going to go seven games either way. Uh, should I just do it? I'll just say, I'm going to go with the Canucks in seven. Canucks in seven, okay. Well, you, 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 you would be... You would be pretty smart to go with the Canucks because taking a look at their playoff history with St. Louis, they faced off three times prior to this. Uh, 1995, 2003, 2009, Canucks have won all three times. So uh, history is definitely on their side. Uh, in terms of stats this year, um, it's well documented the Blues have been better. Um, the, the thing is... Um, the Blues had this like mid-season struggle, and they're starting to kind of play in that rut a little bit. They don't look like themselves entirely. Um, so, the possibility of the Canucks upsetting the Blues is certainly is certainly possible. Like I said, um, Peterson looks solid, and against Minnesota, JT Miller looks solid. Uh, Peterson was making a lot of good defensive plays in that series. wasn't afraid to hit people or finish his checks. Quinn Hughes, far better than solid. He was incredible. And don't bet against Jacob Markstrom, because just like Jordan Bennington, he can turn the tides on any hockey game, and he can do it when you least expect it. Um, I think 5-on-5 five five hockey is going to be the biggest factor. Um, the Blues are good defensively, so their penalty kill is pretty good. The Canucks can score it well on the power play. We know what they can do with the main advantage. Um, I think both areas of special teams will be a 50-50 split down the middle. Um, so, again, that's why I say even strength is going to play a factor. Uh, with the Blues being the most equipped and the experience to handle their opponent, the Canucks are riding a wave of emotion, and we've seen in previous playoff series, that wave of emotion can take a team pretty far and yeah. farther than most people expect. Um, and... I, I think the last thing that you'd want is eight bad days in August in reference to Tampa's six or eight bad days in April last year that cost them. And so um, the Canucks could totally sneak up on the Blues. I'm giving the edge to the Blues in terms of experience. It would not surprise me if Vancouver does win, though. Um, but either way, um, it's going to go seven games. But I have Blues in seven. Blues in seven? Okay. I almost went Blues in seven, but I was just, you know, I don't know so hard to like take like should the round robin count or not i don't know so um i think it does count it and it might play a factor because yeah. like it just the other team has just been in like a playoff battle like fighting yeah. for their lives and you're just going up and it's well, like ah, oh, well like th like these three these three games are indicative of our team play will be ready, but, like, how do you really know, right? Yeah, like, for sure. Yeah, you won the Stanley Cup last year. So the Capitals last year, and they got knocked down the first round by the Hurricanes in a double right. overtime for game point. seven. So, like, anything can happen, if especially against a team like Vancouver that, again, just like, like, I feel like Vancouver is run by a bunch of kids that think they have no limits. Yeah. And I think that can be very, very deadly for an experienced team. Where, where I think maybe they, the experienced team thinks they have them right where they want them, and this this team with a never-say-die attitude just takes it right back to them. And all of a sudden, the team that wasn't expected to win has the favorites on the ropes. So I, I wouldn't even call St. Louis favorites here. Like, they're slight favorites, but, again, there is there's a possibility the Canucks could, uh, could pull off another upset. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Um, 
Okay. So now we, we didn't do this the last time. I think we just forgot, but um, right. I guess it's uh, now that we have 16 teams as opposed to 24, uh, we can start to do actual Stanley Cup final predictions. Um, so we're going to do conference finals and then we'll do like the Stanley Cup finals and then who's going to win that. Um, I guess I'll go first because I've been going first uh, throughout this whole thing here. Uh, so I have, I, I mean, I know I was, I had that whole rant about the Bruins, but I, I just, I don't know how to quit them. So I have, spoiler alert, I have the Bruins winning the cup. Um, they're gonna, um, I'm, I think the way that it works, if, if all my predictions were right, would be the Flyers, Islanders, Lightning, Bruins, Golden Knights, Flames, um, Avalanche, uh, Canucks. Um, so I have uh, the Flyers playing the Bruins um, in the Eastern Conference Finals, and then I have the Knights playing the Canucks in the Conference Finals. I'm just going hard on the Canucks here. Um, and then, but I don't have them being a rematch of 2011. I have uh, the Vegas Golden Knights in the Stanley Cup Final. Um, and they're going to play the Bruins, and then I have the Bruins winning. Okay. Um, let's see. In the Eastern Conference, um, I think it's going to be Tampa versus Carolina. Okay. And in the Western Conference, I'm going to go Vegas, Colorado. Um, again, I'm not really factoring into the seating. I'm, uh, I, yeah. So I could be wrong in these matchups. Could be just totally out of left field and impossible. But um, I'm going to go, hey, you know what? Screw it. Carolina, Vegas. Yep. Yeah, I like the vibe of the Hurricanes. So I think they're going to do well. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So I guess either... So I guess what we're saying is whoever oh, wins I, the I Bruins, Carolina... I'll, 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 I'll say Vegas. I'll say Vegas wins the whole darn thing. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, that's fine. Um, either I'll, I'll, I'll give you credit if Carolina does win the whole thing. Um, but, like, basically, I guess what we're saying is whoever wins the Bruins, Carolina... Series will play Vegas he's gonna, he's in the Stanley Cup Finals. And he's going to win the Cup. And play Vegas. And play Vegas. Okay. I'll still give you credit if Carolina wins, though. <laughs> so, there's that. Alright, that about does it for us here, though. Um, surprise of the century. We just made it to, um, like, we have an hour, 55 minutes. So, um, yay. <laughs> it's not two hours. <laughs> officially um even though it's close to one um yeah uh so you can catch us on uh twitter at lace them up or yeah lace up podcast our facebook is lace them up our soundcloud is lace them up and our itunes and spotify are also on lace them up as well um yeah that's about it i'm brett duboff I'm Steve Elser. We'll talk again in episode 232 of the Lace Love Podcast. Fun. All right.